God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we, uh, you can go to boomerangchurch.org slash notes and pull up the notes. And uh, we've been talking about power. You remember several weeks ago I did a, it, it basically talked about what's normal to God. And what's normal to God is the power of God. And one of the verses, we actually started with these same notes, but we didn't get out of Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, and verse starting in verse 5, is where Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and he be began proclaiming Christ to them. Now, as he carries on, it says that they, he was uh, performing signs and uh, he was doing different things. And then there was a bunch of stuff happening. Unclean spirits coming out. People were getting healed. It was great. And then they had this one guy named Simon, and he was practicing magic in, in the city. And uh, he was claiming to be someone great. And in verse 10, it says, this man Simon was called, they called him the great power of God. Now, it wasn't because he was the great power of God is because he was basically performing illusions and different things like that. Well, here comes Philip, and all of a sudden, Philip is actually doing the things of God, and Simon sees it, and it, it convinces Simon so much. You know, One thing that you'll always watch is this. When somebody actually is the genuine article, they're genuine, uh, it'll beat out somebody who's counterfeiting all the time. And you'll find that the people that are counterfeiting, they can kind of get scared of what, what's real, you know, because uh, there was actually a, um, there was a movie with Steve Martin called Leap of Faith, and uh, he was a, a traveling evangelist that was pulling all kinds of tricks, but then there was this kid that God really moved on. And all of a sudden, he, Steve Martin goes, here's one thing, I, I'll paraphrase because I don't, I don't know exactly how it went, but it, something like this. He said, there's one thing that every con man's afraid of, and that is the genuine article. Yeah. See, what's normal for God is for us to be the genuine article. And right here, here's what you see in this city. Here's Simon, who's basically acting like a con man. And then here comes Philip, who just a couple of chapters later was just waiting on tables, right? And, and all of a sudden, out of his obedience to serve the Lord, however the Lord had, now he's up and preaching here in this city. Am I still on? <laughs> all right. And uh, now he's preaching in this city, and here comes the power of God in, and all of a sudden Simon goes, wait a minute. He says, this is the real deal. Simon becomes so convinced that this is the real deal that he actually gives his life to Christ. That's an awesome thing. In other words, not only did he just not only did he just back off of what he's doing and kind of like, hey, give the show to Philip, he says, I want to be a part of what you're doing. Now, do you realize the strength in that to do that? That's huge. That's huge. So imagine this. Uh, imagine if uh, what he's doing is giving up his uh, his work basically he's given up his his livelihood he's given up his money and that's what he's saying i'm not the man anymore so imagine if in this city you had somebody that was uh, running basically a monopoly and they were they were the only one in the city that was doing anything good uh in a certain industry and then all of a sudden somebody else comes along and they say 
they start doing that act, and all of a sudden they say, no, I'm going to give up what I'm doing, and I'm not going to make money from it anymore. What a decision that would be, right? That would be pretty, that would be quite a change of direction because all of a sudden he had his whole livelihood. Now he's got nothing and he says, I want, I want whatever you have and I'm willing to give up my livelihood for it. That's the kind of decision Simon made. So here's the question. What kind of power was Philip operating in? What kind of reality was Philip operating in? Am I even? Okay. Is it coming through those speakers? That one, yes, but not this one? Okay. Well, let's keep messing with it, try to get it back on. <laughs> All right. See if this helps. Does that help any? A little bit? There we go. We have a new sound system because we needed to make a change. But uh, you got to work some bugs out. So here he is, and Philip's doing this. And then what happens is uh, Paul, let's see, no, excuse me, Peter. Peter comes down, and it says the apostles in Jerusalem in verse 14 heard, heard that Samaria had received the word of God and, and then sent Peter and John. They came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was bestowed through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. So what was he doing? He was saying, I know where this power came from, I saw this power on Philip. I want it. I want it. And if I've got to pay for it, I'll pay for it, but I want that power. Now, I want you to think about this. How strong did that have to be to impress him? You know, at first he had to be thinking, what kind of tricks are they playing? You know, what well, they're paying some people to act like they were touched by God. You know, he, you know, he had to start out that way. He went, he had to start out that way in his mind. Then he went to the place where he said, this is the real deal. And then he said, it's so much the real deal. Whatever I got to pay to have it, I want it. This is Philip performing these signs and miracles who was a deacon just a little bit ago. He was waiting tables, helping people in that way. This is, this is not like the apostles themselves showing up. This was not Jesus himself. This was a guy that just went to church and said, Lord, how can I serve you? Here I am. Send me. This is what happened. And God said, sure. Let me pour out some of my norm on you. And that's what happened with Philip. The normal of God. The normal of God called this man, uh, calls this man Simon to hit his knees. You see, let's go now to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We've been talking a lot about what's normal with God because the truth of the matter is, I think when we have literally hit some of our biggest days ever, I think what we've actually gotten 
is we've actually uh, just started scratching the surface of the power of God. What if the power of God seriously moved in such a way that no one could deny it? What if we were moving in such a normal of God that people walked in here and before they could get to their seats, they just started piling up because the power of God knocked them out? Oh, does that happen? Have y'all ever heard of that? I have. That happens today because it's normal. It doesn't happen all the time because if it happened all the time, you wouldn't necessarily grow up in everything. There's a balance to the things of God. But what if the power of God was so strong and the anointing that we carried as a group came in and as soon as people walked in, their, their sickness just fell off of them? Anything that they're dealing with, man, it just was arrested in the Holy Spirit. It was just arrested, and it, and it stopped. That power was broken simply because we were walking in what's called normal. Wouldn't that be something? Can that happen? Yeah. See, this is the kind of stuff that God would say is normal. Here, here's the thing. How are we supposed to pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Right? Isn't that the way that we're supposed to pray? If we pray that way, should we not have some faith that backs it up a little bit, or should we just spout words? We should have faith, right? Well, let me ask you something. Is there any sickness in heaven? Now, we can accept that for heaven. It's like, hey, I come into heaven, all sickness drops off of me. Well, how come it's not right here like that? See, we haven't considered that normal. We've considered that abnormal. The normal of God says, Lord, what do you want to do? And whatever you want to do, let it be so. But see, we'll generally be raised up in a church that has so many religious boxes that try to hold God in, and oh, don't get outside of that, because my goodness, if that happens, surely that's not God. God did things outside of people's box all through that word. We need him to do stuff outside of our box. We need him to be normal and us to be the ones who are outside of normal trying to figure out how to get in God's box, not try to ha how to fit him in our box. We don't want to put constraints on him, you see. We want the normal of God. We want that normal. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 says this, and my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Now this is Paul speaking in verse 5. Why? Why did he come not just with per persuasive words? So that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. In other words, what he's saying right there is, you didn't walk in and hear a message that made you feel all good about yourself and it just connected all the dots and, and my smart teaching and preaching is what held you. What he was saying is, his, honestly what he was saying is, his preaching might have been boring but his power wasn't. His, his preaching might not have grabbed you. 
But there was something about the normal of God that was in him, that power that grabbed a hold, that anointing that set you free, that anointing that broke the yokes of, of stuff that was on you. In other words, he demonstrated it. He didn't just sit. Look at, the, look at this verse. He said, but my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. In other words... How many people have gone to church, if not all your lives, a lot of your life, and, or maybe just a little bit, and there's a whole lot of talking, but there's not a whole lot of demonstration? Well, I think that's all of us. So I think ultimately what's happened is we basically become the exact opposite of that. In, in church, the place that's supposed to have the normal of God and the power of God, we have become just words. And the world knows it. And yet, you know, we, in the last few weeks, we've seen healing, we've seen deliverance, we've seen, we've seen God pouring out His Spirit in different ways. You know, last week, literally, I asked three different times. All we did was just worship God. We just said well, there was no real message to it. And yet, I asked literally three times how many people are being touched by God himself right now. Nobody's touching them, the power of God. It was a demonstration of the Spirit of God. And it was, it was about 90% for the whole service, for an hour. I, I asked them to raise their hand. I'm, I'm being touched right now. That's what I'm talking about. A demonstration, not just, not just words. But see, this is not just for me to carry. This is for all of us to carry. It's for all of us. Paul said this, the Good, good News uh, translation says this, My teaching and message were not delivered with skillful words of human wisdom, but with convincing proof of the power of God's Spirit with convincing proof of the power of God's Spirit. See, the power in itself, we asked uh, a few weeks ago, what's more important? Is it the fellowship with God or is it the power? What's more important? Well, the fellowship is more important, but you have to understand that if you're walking in actual fellowship, you're going to carry the power. So the power is a symptom of the real fellowship. You know, I feel like what the Lord is drawing us into is a real fellowship. He's drawing us to His heart. He's drawing us to the place of what's important with Him. Man, I want to know that. I don't want to get up here and you walk out every Sunday going, Ah, that was a good message, but there was no power. You know, as a, as a pastor, I want to get to the place where I, I literally get better and better at communicating. And I hope that I have uh, gotten better, and I hope that I get a lot better because I think communication is huge. In other words, I want to have skillful words. I want to have persuasive words to give to you. That helps. That helps us where we're at. But that is not all. Matter of fact, according to the Holy Spirit here, what's more important is that I don't have that, but I do come in a reality of my relationship and fellowship with God and a reality of the gift of righteousness that will bring about your healing in whatever area that will bring the power of His love and manifest it in your life. That's what I care about. 
that's what we need to be about. But it's not just for me. See, if all of that power stops right here, then that's not really power. The whole point of Christ's coming was that one person could come, open up the door to the Father so that the Holy Spirit could be poured out upon all of us. In other words, that power is not meant just for the pulpit. That power is meant for your job. It's meant for your home. It's meant for yours, your, uh, wherever you go out into the world, it's meant for you. He was the firstborn of many brethren. Let's go to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. You know, how many people have felt like, man, the world just seems to be getting darker? Yeah. All right. So this is it. I heard uh, Rick Renner teach about this passage specifically. And by the time he was done, I was like, oh, my goodness, we are in these. And these are the last of the last days. This is not the last days. This is the last of the last days. And we're right in it. We're right in it. Listen to this. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless. This is a great list, huh? And... uh, Conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. All right, now listen right here, verse 5. This is almost like the summary, the wrap-up. Holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these. Do you know who the chief example of this is in the Bible? The Pharisees. They're the chief example of this. Holding to a form of godliness. They were going through the motions. But they had completely denied his power. So much so that when the actual Son of God stood in front of them, they killed him. See, people can get to a place where they they keep denying stuff, keep denying stuff, keep trying to hold on to what they understand and what's in their box to the point where they actually become anti-Christ, anti-God. That's what the Pharisees were. Do you think they started out that way? I don't. I think they started out trying to love on God. But they would believe what was being taught to them. They would not go after God for themselves. They would have no mercy. They liked showing everybody what they wanted to do. You know, give the big offerings, pray out loud. They liked all that stuff. But they weren't walking in the power. And they got to the place where they actually killed the Son of God. Talk about deception. But see, it starts. It didn't start right there. It started way before there. But what I want you to see is here's all these bad things, this this list of stuff between verse 1 and verse 5, and how many people wants to be found in that list? 
And I would say if you have any of those traits that are in that list, you need to be working on that right, right away. Here's a really good one to look at uh, that it says, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. In, in other words, I'd rather go and make myself happy than I would to make God happy. I think all of us have fallen into that category at some point. So if you find something in this list that, you know, hey, you've been doing this, man, seek uh, the Holy Spirit, seek Christ right away and try to get that change, turn around, and he'll help you. It won't be tried with him. He'll help you. The question is, are you seeking him with all your heart? He will be found by you. But then I want you to see that you and I can, we can preach Jesus, we can tell people that we're a Christian, we can have a form of godliness, but if we are not walking in his power, we are these people. And that doesn't just go for me. That doesn't just go for me. That goes for every believer. In other words, you know, if you're not walking in his power, well, just stop telling people that you're Christian or either man up and be who God's called you to be. Put down the flesh, pick up the love and the power of God. Don't, don't, don't be lukewarm. Let's get on with this thing. I've had times in my life where I was struggling and and, and I was definitely lukewarm, and I needed the mercy of God to get me through that. But I can tell you what happened for me to come through that was I had to, I had to decide, this is not what I want to do, and turn back towards God. Well, you might be that person that's walking around the world, and you're saying, yes, I'm a Christian. He's so good to me. I love him. I love him. He's awesome. And then they say, well, I have a problem. Well, uh, I don't know what to tell you about that. Why? Because you're walking in a form of godliness, but denying the power. If you don't believe that he can heal, if you don't believe that he can move in that kind of power, there's a lot about Christ and a lot about God you're not believing in. So you have to ask yourself, do I actually believe in him in the first place? Now, you probably do, but I'm saying it's time to get real about it. We need to walk in this, not be playing a game, right? We need to know, hey, this is the power of God that moves men. I told you the beginning of this series, I didn't even mean for it to be a series, but I was watching the preview uh, of a movie, and another superhero movie was coming out, and there's this, there's this lady standing there, and she's you know, just in kind of some simple uh, garments, and then there's this guy, and he's talking to her, and apparently she's talking to him about supernatural power and things that are of a spiritual sense, you know. And he goes, I don't believe in chakras and energy and all this kind of stuff. And, and she basically uh, turns, you know, in a very uh, superhero kind of way, and she goes, boom, like this. And she doesn't touch him, but she, like, like hits him in the air, you know, like that. And when she does that, his spirit separates from his body and he realizes in an instant there's a lot more to this stuff than what I knew. And you see this look of fear come on him as he looks at his body, right? And he says, there's my physical body, but I'm over here 
what's going on? And so when he comes back into his body, and of course, they're not glorifying God, so I'm not glorifying that movie, but it showed something to me. And anyway, he comes back into his body, and the first thing he does is he goes, teach me. And he's willing now, the, the emphasis is, he's willing now to give everything of his life to learn more about this. And instantly, as soon as I saw that, I thought, where is that? We are carrying within us the greatest power in the universe, the love of God, the reality of God. We are seeing that. And instantly I asked the Holy Spirit, I said, where is this in the church? Where is that? Where is uh, people operating so much in the love manifested of God that people go, teach me, I'll do whatever it takes. Remember in the word it says, if a man found a pearl of great price, right? He would do everything to get a hold of it. If he found land that had uh, values in it, he'd do sell everything to grab a hold of that. The whole emphasis and, and the parallel was if you found the kingdom, the king's domain, and his power and his love and his mercy, shouldn't you sell everything of your corrupted flesh to grab a hold of Christ? We're walking around with more power inside of us through Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit than we have a clue about. The question is, we just haven't been willing to give our all to God. This is why Paul can stand up and say, I'm not coming to you just talking a good talk. I'm walking the walk, and I'm bringing the power of God with it. This is the norm of God. This needs to be a reality in the church. It needs to be that somebody comes up and says, hey, I'm... I'm I have cancer. I'm a diabetic. And we lay hands on them, release the love of God, and they are healed instantly. It ought to be so that people that come close, not just to Pastor Brian's shadow, but people come within a distance of that, of even where they, the shadow can fall on them, like with Peter and John, they're walking through the streets where people start popping off getting healed because we carry that kind of power. This was not meant just for Jesus. Jesus was the beginning. He said, you'll do these and greater. 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 He was just showing us the beginning of the norm. Here's the thing. He says right here in verse 5, they're holding on to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, avoid such men as these. In other words, if we're not walking out in the power of God, and we're denying that power, we're putting God in a box, those are the kind of people that the Bible says, avoid. So is our job to be an ambassador of Christ? Doesn't that mean that we want to get around people? <laughs> you can't be the ambassador without actually, you know, being around people. That kind of helps the cause, right? But if God's saying that if people have denied the power, avoid such people, what makes us think that we're ever going to accomplish being a good ambassador if we're not walking in the power? The Lord's not trying to draw people to people. 
that don't have any power. He's trying to draw people to people that have power through the love of God. In other words, for me and you to be who God's called us to be, we need to be walking in this stuff, not making excuses for it. We need to go after it. I can tell you, when we first started ministering, uh, I saw people healed right away. I saw people. And I'll tell you, it wasn't because I felt like one day I was sitting there and God said, now you're a healer. Zap! I didn't feel like that. I just read right in here where God was the healer, and it said those that believe will lay hands on the sick, and so I didn't deny that power. I allowed it to come into my life, and the next time I was ministering, then the Holy Spirit said, lay hands on people and you know, get them healed. I was like, okay. And so I laid hands on them, and oh my goodness, they got healed. Why? Because I didn't shut down the movement of the Holy Spirit's power in my life. Well, that can happen for anyone that will read that word. Anyone. It wasn't special to me. I wasn't a pastor at that time. I don't know what I was. I believed. I loved Jesus. I loved, I loved him. Do you love him? That's good. That's a good answer. Let's go to Isaiah 60. Isaiah, right here in chapter 60, is prophesying. Prophesying about the time that we just read in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, in the last days, this will happen, people will be this way. He was prophesying in Isaiah about those same days. Isaiah 60, verse 1 through 3 says, Arise! Shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And you know who he's talking to right here? The church. Christians. He's prophesying to the group that will accept Christ. And he's not just telling pastors, arise, shine, for the light has come. No, 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 no. He's talking to you. You can walk in a power like Philip did that will cause men to say, I'll do whatever it takes to follow Christ. I'll do whatever it takes. And I'll tell you, listen, when I, when I started out you know, just doing and, and being obedient to the Holy Spirit, the Lord met me. Not everybody got healed, but a few did. And I realized I need to walk in this more. This is just the beginning. I need to grow. That means I needed to give myself to this kind of time, to, to be preached at, to, to be taught. I needed to get in the Word, spend time with Him. I needed to worship because all of that builds that anointing and it builds your ability to let the love of God flow through you. It doesn't just happen. You have it all in your hands, but it doesn't just happen. This is a partnership between you and God. And the further we went down the road, the, the, the better it got. You know, in the last couple of months, you know, blind eyes are opening, deaf ears are, are opening, you know, stuff like that. That's an awesome thing. Those are, you know, most people would say big ticket stuff, right? But that's just normal. That's just the beginning of normal. God's sitting there like everybody comes to heaven is healed. What's y'all deal? Everybody up here ain't got any problems. In other words, everybody gets healed. 
Now, you shouldn't take that as condemnation, but you should take that as a challenge to grow in your maturity of the Lord. And it starts with you just giving your life and saying, Lord, I'm yours. Whatever, you're making the decisions now. When a people will get that way in their heart, where their heart is completely open to him, now God can come in and he can move in a power. You know what this generation's wanting more than anything? This generation, the millennials now, that you know what they're wanting? Yeah, there's, a, there's actually a study that I saw that said this generation, more than anything, is interested in being heroes. Why do you think you're seeing all the movies? You know what that is? Let's put it in spiritual terms. You know what they want? They want the supernatural. They want the power. God's raising up this generation to be a generation that will go after the power of God. There'll be people now, you know, they don't, uh, most of them don't even know that yet. They don't know that they're looking for God, but it's inside of them to look for the things of God. And some of them will find power in the wrong places. Some of them will find it in witchcraft and see the devil knows it too. That's why he's throwing stuff out there that's constantly dealing with witchcraft. I mean, a few years ago, we had to shut off Disney at our house because half the shows were talking about witchcraft. And so the devil's trying to ensnare them in things that will pull them in, that will show them there is a power. And yet the church has been running from it, saying, well, I don't know, that scares me. I don't know, God's not in my box. He, you know. And they'll try to get away from it. And yet it's normal to God. We need to be the people that are walking it. You see, there's some that will go after that, and they won't find God, but that's who they were looking for. But they will find the counterfeit. And the counterfeit doesn't mind saying, you can have this. But see, the church has had a problem saying, you can have this. A lot of the church had a problem. It's like, I can just have this. But what ends up happening is, before long, I don't have this. The pastor, the leader doesn't have it either because he's holding back the power of God from others. It's not something that can be contained. You're talking about God here. It's meant for every believer to grab a hold of. Meant for you to have. Some of you will grab a hold of that and start walking in the reality of God. And remember, I'm not just talking about power. I'm talking about fellowship. I'm talking about this is how your power comes. But you'll grab a hold of it. You'll start to recognize. You'll see stuff. And you will be the ones that will lead people in this generation and say, yes, you can have that. You can walk in this. All you got to do is just give your life to Christ, hand yourself to him. It'll be the most beautiful thing ever. And you'll walk in this power. They're wanting to see the supernatural. You have it within you. It's a perfect match. Unless... We have a form of godliness, but deny the power. You know, Christ is not just Jesus' last name. We've talked about this before, but if you haven't heard it, you know, Christ, it's, it's not like his last name. It defined who he was. It defines that he was the anointed one of God. But it also defines his anointing. So when somebody is anti-Christ, what they are denying is one of two things. Either one, that he was the anointed one of God. That's why it says no one can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Spirit of God. It says they're either denying that or they're denying his power. They're denying his anointing. We're supposed to walk 
in this power, in this anointing through our fellowship with God. And it should be real. You know, how would you like it? Ryan, how would you like it if you had a friend come up to you and, you, and he said, dude, I just broke my leg. And you lay your hands on his leg and all of a sudden they are right underneath your hands. It pops back in place and it gets healed. Would that not be cool? Yeah. <laughs> he said, heck yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. How would you like it if uh, somebody had been troubled for years? Troubled for years in their mind. I mean, they just were beat up and the devil had been eating their lunch. And all of a sudden, you went, Dixie, you went and laid hands on them. And all of a sudden, all of that fuzziness, all of that gray, all of that dark in their head, it completely dispersed. And they were free. How would you like it? You know, Terry, how would you like it if all of a sudden somebody comes up to you and they're like, I don't know what to do about this problem. I have no idea. And you say, well, Lord, you, you provide for us. We have all things through Christ. Right? And Lord, you give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge. So right now, we just call on the wisdom of heaven. God, what would you have to say in my friend's life? And all of a sudden, you give her the wisdom, and step by step, you tell her exactly what to do. One, two, three, four. How would that change that woman's life? And you, that's just the power of God. This is the way it's supposed to work. But it doesn't work like that if we just sit here even read our Bible and say amen, but do nothing about it. We've got to connect with the God of love. We've got to connect with him as a child. It says children, people that are like children, faith as a child will have the kingdom, the king's domain. Do you want the domain of heaven in your life? The domain of heaven is the king's domain. That's why there's no sick people there because he's the domain over, he's the king over that domain. Our job is to bring that domain on earth, but it happens when people connect with the God of love, connect with the king, connect with the faith of a child, and they learn what are his promises, what he wants to do, his heart to set every captive free. And then they know how to manifest that power here on the earth. They know how to manifest that kingdom. It doesn't just happen just by getting born again. Otherwise, we'd have a whole, whole group of people. It comes by us giving ourselves. It's in our act of love towards him that says, Lord, let me love on you by growing in that. This, this time was prophesied here in Isaiah. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. This is your promise, your promise. Arise, shine, for the light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. The glory has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness the peoples in the last days. People will do this and that and everything else that's bad that we read before. The darkness will cover, but the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will appear on you. That's his power. His power will appear on you. Nations will come to your light. 
and kings to the brightness of your rising. He's talking about you. You've got this in you. He's talking about you. You've got it in you. You've got his love in you. You've got his power in you. It's inside of you waiting to get out. The question is, are you giving yourself to God? Are you denying that power? Are you denying it to come out? Have you prayed for somebody recently? Or has the devil beaten you back by talking about just how bad you've been? Anybody ever been like that? You feel like you're supposed to pray for somebody and, and, and you see that person and the Holy Spirit's like, go pray for them. And then all of a sudden, you're, you're going, I can't pray for them. Lord, you know what I did? I don't have, I'm not worthy enough. It ain't about your worthiness. It's about Jesus' worthiness. This is what he did. And that act of obedience to go pray for them breaks some stuff off of you. It's not just for them, it's for you too. Acts 1, 4 through 8, he says, When you receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. And you will be my witnesses. You see, the church really hasn't been the witnesses of Christ because we've denied his power. We've denied it through the Holy Spirit. We've denied it in our uh, willingness to learn, to grow. You know, the other day, uh, Chris and I had a situation where we were walking in Walmart and we had some fellows come up to us. And, and here's the thing, and this was awesome. This was so good. And, and it's obvious that we were supposed to pray for these guys. But there was some stuff going on in the spirit that was weird and it felt funny and, and everything. And so later on, we got to the place. He said, Chris said, what was going on there? And I said, well, and I asked him, I said, well, what did it feel like? And he said, you know, ultimately we came down to, and he pretty much was picking up the same thing. It was basically pride and a, and a spirit of religion, right? And, and, and I said, yeah, that's exactly what was going on. This is what was happening. And that was making it hard for us to do what we were, because that person was putting off the wrong things. But in the spirit, there were some things happening. Now, here's the thing. What I love about that situation was he was hungry enough to ask. Ultimately, we prayed and God moved and everything. But what if I wouldn't have, what if I hadn't spent time to know how spiritual things work so that when he asked, I would go, oh, I don't know. We'd, you know, we'd, we'd talk to him and then we prayed. Yeah. You believe that? What if I wouldn't have been seeking the Lord and, and growing in that? Then that wouldn't have helped him. See, we've got to be the kind of people that we understand how these things work and we know how to get them to work, which means I've got to be given to the Lord. I've got to give myself in a service. I've got to give myself at home. I've got to give in fellowship. We've got to walk in this stuff. We have to. The world needs it. And there's a part inside of you saying, I want that. And I know it is because even if you don't hear it yet, I know it's calling out to you because you've been made in the image of God. And the image of God will draw you to the place where he wants to release his love on people. That's his character. That's his nature. So no matter who you are or where you are, there's a peace inside of you saying, I want to walk in that power. I want to release his love too. And that's all it really is, releasing the love of God. What kind of things, just, just yell back at me here uh, one at a time. What kind of things do you think 
is normal in the power of God. What do you think is normal, not to our minds, but normal to God? Abundance. Wisdom. What? Kindness. Yes. Purity. Don't give me the necessarily the fruit of the Spirit answers. We're talking about moving into God's normal here. I'm talking about the power of God that makes men say, I'll pay you for this. Open doors. What kind of open doors? Favor of God that opens up a favor where people say, I don't even know why I'm doing this. I just, I don't hear, take this. Favor, that's the power, that's more, that's more like. See, and I want you to notice, what's the first thing that we want to give this religious answer? Well, kindness, and kindness is good, and it's right, it's fruit of the Spirit. And you ain't going to walk in power without kindness. But we got to get out of this mindset that thinks that it's boiled down just to things that are un- intangible. The norm of God and the power of God is something that starts making changes in, in people's lives. What else? No situation change. Walking in a power of God where things can hit you like the storm with Jesus and he's not fretting at the storm because he's walking in a supernatural peace and faith. Amen. Calming the storms. Freedom. Breaking people completely free. Healing. Supernatural healing. Where stuff that's been plaguing people for years comes to an end. You see, that this is the thing. Let's say that Let's say that Roger needs healing. He's needed healing for years. And all of a sudden we pray and, and he gets healed. There's a whole bunch of people that knew he needed healing. Number two, there's, there ain't but one way it could have happened. God. You see, you move in that kind of power, it starts destroying the excuses that people make. And it starts leaving only one answer in their lives. Jesus. This is why he wants us to move in that power. This is, this is just it. And see, it, it can't be just me feeling this. See, I ought to, I ought to get to the place where I'm, I'm having to almost hold you back because you're getting this. You're feeling it. In other words, I ought to be preaching to the choir right now. I feel like we're opening a new door, but I ain't preaching to the choir yet. You don't have this in you, not wholeheartedly, but the Lord's taken us to it. And, but, and you can feel as I preach it that he's starting to, to churn and, and stir some of that stuff up. But if you're born again, you're a believer, I ought to be, I ought to be say one word about power, and you ought to explode on the, oh yeah, oh let's do it, let's do it, let's get it. But see, I'm having to stir you up, and that's good, that's my job. That's what I'm here for. But it should become normal to us. Where I don't have to stir you up. You're stirred up all on your own. Because you see these things in the Word. You see these things on a daily basis. You see people come to Jesus. You see people get filled with the Holy Spirit. Enter into their own power with Him, through Him. Passing it out. Multiplying. Discipling other people. You ought to see, you know... You ought to see kids starting to get free of stuff that's plagued them for years simply because you're around. Your shadow passed over. Think about that. 
You ought to, you ought to see marriages, the deceptions of marriages melt away and people start to come and all of a sudden they see their spouse again for the first time in years and they start loving and dating each other simply because you became a friend. Because you're carrying something with you. And it's tangible. It's the anointing of God. It's the power of God. You ought to be driving into this and pushing into these things with God so much so that every time we open up a service, you got another testimony. And I have to sit you down because you always got some crazy testimony. Let somebody else have a chance. It ought to be so much in you. It ought to be alive inside of you. And see, right now, you can. does it not feel good? And you can feel it in your spirit. Your spirit's going, yeah, that's right. That should be it. But see, if you don't press into it, what happens is you walk out that door and that, and that sense goes a little bit away and, and, and gradually goes a little bit more and more away. And then we're just doing the same thing, putting on a form of godliness, but having denied its power. Lord, let that not be found on us. Let a denial of your power and your love manifest and let it not be found on this group. Let it not be found on this people. But let your love do what it wants to do. Let your love do what it wants to do. How about, uh, like, so yesterday or whenever we were talking and um, so the same situation, Chris tells me afterwards, he says, you know, I just kept getting something about the man's daughter. Well, the reason he said that is because the man brought his daughter up, that she was having an issue or a problem or something like that. He was picking that up. That was the spiritual gift going to work. That was the power of God trying to get out of him. And see, when you allow that to go out, all of a sudden, you know, he hadn't said nothing about his daughter, but you're proactive because you've learned how to flow with the Holy Spirit. And then you say... I'm sensing something on your daughter. Can we lift her up? There's a problem there. And he goes, what? Huh? How did you know that? Whoa. whoa. See, there's only one answer for that. Jesus. And now what just happened to the shell that he had over his heart? It just cracked. And now you can inject God's love in there. That's the power of God. See, it's in us. We just haven't exercised it. You remember, uh, you remember the picture of uh, spiritual fitness. You remember the two guys on spiritual fitness. Can you find that picture? See if, see if you can find that. This is not exactly what I want, but here's the thing: everybody, everybody has the same muscles. See, that guy, that skinny guy, he's got the same amount of muscles as the other guy. The other's got some beer muscle, but we're going we're gonna to leave that alone. But he, everybody's got the same amount of muscles. The skinny guy has the same as the bigger guy. The only difference is one of them has used those muscles and exercised them. You have the muscle of God's power inside of you. His name is Jesus Christ. He empowers you through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
See, if you want to walk in this power, the first thing you need is you need, to, you need to accept Christ as Savior. The second thing you need to do is you need to receive the filling of the Holy Spirit. But then you start to work those muscles. You start to exercise them. You start to you try them out. Don't be afraid to fail. Don't, you, you know how I got good at hearing from the Lord and being led by Him? I missed it a whole lot. <laughs> and just because you miss it doesn't mean you're, you're a, a false prophet, which is what some of the church does. That doesn't mean you're a false prophet. It means you were trying. You're exercising. You, know, you, you think that guy with the muscles ever tried to lift a weight that he couldn't lift yet? He might look back at that same weight today and say, that's no problem. But there had to be a time as he was beginning where he tried, and he was like, whoop, uh, my eyes were bigger than my arms were. And he went back, you know. Well, you got to exercise in the Holy Spirit and walk out that power. You can walk in the power of God. You can. I want you to get it. I know, see, I can sense right now time trying to hold you back from God's promises. Oh, starting to get hot. Don't pass, no, it's past 12.15, stuff like that. I got stuff to do. I didn't want to be here in the first place. That's where, that's where you have to press in. You got to put down the flesh. See, I want the things of God more than that. You got things trying, I've had distractions going all morning long trying to distract me from all kinds of things. The last one was speakers not working right, you know. But you've got to put that stuff down, put it behind you, and focus on what you need. And what you need is Christ, and you need, we all need his power. And you don't get to walk in these higher levels of stuff without putting down the flesh. Because the flesh is always warring against the spirit. And if you don't put the flesh down, it's going to be a drag line on that power. And now you're not going to be able to be the witness that God wants you to be. You've got to learn how to crucify that flesh. It's a big key to the power of God. A good question to ask is, why am I so interested in that and not the things of God in the first place? It's a time to get real. This is what the Lord's leading us to. Y'all remember the statue of David with Michelangelo? You remember the sculpture of David? You remember it? So it's just a sculpture that he's famous for. Most people consider it just a, a masterpiece and a work of art. What if, like, on the left side of that sculpture was, like, unfinished? Would it be what we claim it to be today? No. But at some point, David had to get in there, or Michelangelo had to get in there and keep chipping away at what stood in the way of the vision that he saw in that rock. This is my job every week to you, to stand up here and help you see the pieces of your flesh that need to come off, to stand up here and show you, hey, this is what we should look like, but this is what we're looking like. So let's match this with this, and let's be who God's called us to be. But does chipping on your flesh feel good? No. No. So in other words, my job is to make you not feel good, right? 
I don't take pride in that. Matter of fact, a lot of times it ain't fun. But the better received, the easier and quicker it is. And we can grow up together and we can all walk as God's masterpieces. And so sometimes my job is just to tell you, look, I believe in you, and I do. I believe in you. I, I believe in what God's called you to do, and I know that you can do it. And other times my job is to stretch your flesh so that you'll crucify it. And I got lots of people that say, yeah, I like it when you step on our toes, Pastor. But then, you know, they, they like it when they get revelation. But when I first start doing it, they're like mad at me. And that's all right. I can take it. But it's a lot easier and goes a lot faster when you say, I need that. I need this. I need somebody to be real with me. I need them to help me crucify my flesh, to see those areas and put them down. Why? Because I have a job as an ambassador. I have a job as an ambassador. I have a job to walk in the power and not deny it. But I don't just get there just by having everything comfortable to my flesh. The more comfort you have to your flesh, in a sense, the, the less uh, power of the Spirit you're going to walk in. And what you do is you learn to put down the flesh where it doesn't even bother you anymore. You crucify it. You bury that flesh. Remember, a crucified flesh, it doesn't have any feelings. So it can get kicked, stomped, talked bad about, done all that stuff. But you know where its place is and it's not bothering you. And see, so you're wondering, why is he lingering? Why, is, why won't he just you know, be quiet? Because spiritually, it's the same thing as what we were doing earlier where I was teaching spiritual principles. Spiritually, right now, what's happening is there's breakthrough happening in certain people. It might not be you. Maybe it's not you. But if it was you, wouldn't you want somebody to help you break through it? So right now, if it's not you that's feeling it, you can be praying in the Spirit and praying, Lord, let that breakthrough be. See, in the Spirit, there's things happening. And I'm stretching that flesh and I'm helping you to crucify that flesh in different areas. You might not know why, you might not know how, you might not know any of that, but I'm telling you it's happening. And my job is to go after and help it this morning. Sometimes my job is to wrap it up and say, hey, see you, go, go on. But what if you're the one who's getting breakthrough today? Wouldn't you want everybody, well, y'all just hang out for another five minutes for me. See, a lot of times we just wrap up stuff, and what we do is we deny the power. We deny the power of God to come in and help somebody because we just want to go. This is straight up good stuff. I'm not going to tell you it's persuasive words, but it's the truth. And this is how it works.